You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Moitzay Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rizchodoraisa. I'm here with Rabbi Yosef Kavriyo Bechafar. Rabbi Yosef has promised we're going to go full steam ahead, as you said, and deal with topics of merriment and mirth as we are in other Aleph, reading to other Bays. Look, for most people, what is merriment and mirth? What are the nagunim that people are singing? It's not MBD. It's not Moshitz, although it's so beautiful. It's not ditties from the Skalina Rebbe. You know what it is? It's the racist Mishinichmas Ador. <laughs> we should talk about that as well. Yeah, yes. I think we talked. Did we talk about that last year? The racist Mishinichmas Ador? Uh, uh, we probably did. We probably did. I'm sure. I'm what's sure. The, the, well, I'm sure the, the woke. I'm sure the woke community has. What's the What's the original? Uh, to Jump call? around, spin around. Yeah, uh, yes, something bale of cotton, right? Yes, yes, something yeah. that we we've never even lifted. Actually, today in the shul I was davening, somebody started singing, and somebody else said, "Hey, it's a racist song." In the and what? Is, yeah, because they put it down. Yes, um, yeah. So yes, but we know that for most people, nigunim means karlbach, karlbach nigunim, karlbach minyonim. And even though, as we yeah, know, so I want to before we just go, go into Karabakh directly, I want to give a good disclaimer here. Um, my my mother, as I think I mentioned this program before, went out with Karabakh in the early fifties. Uh, oh, hey. <laughs> wow! Still, Who knows what could have happened? Who knows? Wow! <laughs> that is he, that that was something I wasn't ready for. <laughs> Karabakh and your mother, I see. Yes. When he started, yeah, it was a very took about shidduch. He was a from Yekashim Mishbacha, my mother was from Basel. He was he went to Lakewood, and then he went to Lubavitch. My but you know my grandfather had made this transition to Lubavitch. So on paper, it was very took past the shirk. It was really nifla. So so I asked her. So and once you know when she took him once to Karlbach concert, and this is of course the Yerniyon of the Yerimot tonight. So after the concert, he was she was there to saw back in the seventies. She went over to say hello, and he gave her a big hug. Shulamis, how are you doing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the so um, you were I asked my mother. So what? 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 <laughs> well, why didn't it go through? Right? So she said he was crazy. He was crazy back then. So I, of course, anybody looking at Karlbach's eyes could see that the man was crazy. I'm sure this is something which is not a chiddush, and uh, just like. Uh, you know, how I think this is too capacity for the two of us. I, I don't, don't want to cast aspersions here, but insanity and genius are just two sides, very, very close together, right? It's just a very fine line. You always do this. You always do this. What you do is you you you, you want to like uh, basically impinge, like and, and do something which is incredibly insulting. But you figure, yeah, let me just lace it in with genius and and a lot of phony uh, uh, phony uh, compliments. In this way, I have I ever be... not told. Have ever not con- con- conceded your genius, your brilliance. Your... Okay, all right. Not Layla, Layla. Look, Karl Bach's genius was in many ways. Now, again, I sat with him. I spoke with him. I, saw I don't know if you're such a Balkishan like Karl Bach. I, I am really Okay, look, I sat with him and spoke with him, and I was with him, and he was, I was there when he, we asked him, and he spoke about his inappropriate behavior. Not only did he hug uh, Shalamis Bechafer, but he also hugged many people. It was very, it was any, it's, it's on evidence. You can see it on record, it's on video. And we know whether you think it's Rav Moshe's tshuva or not about that, the tshuva 1959, 
there was already a, a, a sense of Karlbach somehow being Chutzman Amachna, despite being in Lakewood, as you said, despite being in Ravar and loving him, despite being in Chabad, despite the fact that he came. In fact, I think because of his who he was, it was a shock that he was joining the folk Chevra uh, uh, in the village and other places, playing with people like Nina Simone and others, getting a, a, a handle on uh, getting a handle on what it meant to really develop his music to a point that it would become commercially successful. Uh, these were things that are facts. We know that was going on even before he, uh, his albums came out. So there was already a sense of what's going on with this person. He's, he seems to be going off the derech. He seems to be going on a tarbus row. I, right. I don't think it was ever any... Um, I don't think he was ever not... Who's not being Shomer Shabbos. You think he was actually went out with Mechal Shabbos at some point? He was at tarbus row. I mean, define that. Look... You know, Zaman Shachter, you know, the, the other Shliach, uh, the right. other, uh, right, Zaman Shachter, I don't think he, I, I think in the Shmiras, in certain aspects of Shmiras and Mitzvahs, he was not as, he was not what Zaman Shachter Shaloni was, right? Yes, that's true. They were friends, they knew each other, um, but in some ways, according, if, if, again, if you... Let's define it's going off the derech for this purpose. In other words, he played music together with uh, this woman I never heard of before you introduced me to tonight, Nina Simone and uh, Bob uh, uh, Dylan I knew that uh, he played with uh, but um, so that's the, co- the going after there Kumbaya Look, many, many, listen, we know that guilt by association is something the Yeshiva Velt consistently does and he was definitely part of Again, again, it wasn't like Stephen Hill who was the opposite, right? Stephen Hill was somebody who was already in the theater, in Hollywood, in the television world, and then discovering Yiddishkeit and trying his best to extract himself and to try to be as firm as he was. Here you have Karl Bach, a Bentaira, an Ely, as you said, going into that world, going into that entertainment world, and even though clearly I'm, he was Rabbi Shlomo Karabach. He always he never shaved his beard off. He wasn't like Matis Yahu in any way, shape, or form. However, the association with that chevra didn't definitely would lend itself to sonei uh, shmuine in some way, something that lemecha uh, shmivoy. But I'm talking about much more than that. We're talking here about the fact that he openly touched women, openly hugged them and kissed them. Now, he said, and I was there when he was saying it, that it's his garnish tzemir, that it's kakai rabba I heard him say that, that it's mamish like the gemar suvis, that it doesn't, it doesn't really affect them. And many of my close friends believed that he was one of the great tzaddikim of the 20th century in terms of the amount of people that he was makarif. However, in light of the Me Too movement, and the 1998 article that appeared in Lilith, and the 2016 article um, that came out as well in terms of the untold stories of Shlomo Karlbach, uh, we know that there have been some shows, maybe not orthodox shows, that are looking askance uh, at singing and using Karlbach Nagunim, especially the woke culture that you have an affinity to, uh, the cancel culture, um, you can understand that they probably are coming for Kalbach. Should they? We know that the stories are there. Now, it's not, it's not, it's nothing like Walder or Cosby. However, there are stories and they have been, they have people have put their names to it. 
They have people who have come out and officially, not just anonymous ones, and they have talked about being groped, being telephoned in the middle of the night and being spoken to in a very inappropriate way, having girls, young girls, Karlbach whispering in their ear and telling them things that he should not have done, which doesn't sound like it was just a hechi timza that he should be makar of hippies and yippies. And I'll ask you, what do you believe? Do no, you... I want to ask you, what do you believe? No, no, I, I'm, in, I'm the interviewer of you. Even the last... <laughs> and then I want to know what you believe. I really do. Because you just presented this very strong case. So what do you want? Okay. People, okay, people aren't always honest with themselves. I do believe Karl Bach, look, when, you see, when you're in Karl Bach's presence, it's very hard not to be taken in by his aura. It's it, it, crazy, maybe, but passionate and real, geschmack, and, 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 and very friendly and gregarious. Yes, he, right. So I did see him at some time as being somewhat, it seemed a little dismissive to certain things. But when he was on, when that personality came out, it was hard not to be entranced by him, not just when he was up there singing and being recorded, even in private. Now, and, and you know, and, uh, you mentioned before uh, the Chaim Walder, and I think we, to, to, you know, people have been drawing parallels, but I think there's a very difference between a, 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 a sinister schemer who was a, a extraordinarily successful at manipulation and um, uh, and seduction and uh, threatening, and this bumbling womanizer who Karlbach was making those public uh, gestures and those women, those strange phone calls in the middle of the night. So I think that uh, when uh, when uh, I think that there is a obvious distinction between Walder and Karlbach. Let's let's make that clear. Now, if that's in done, that is that we can discuss. But the parallels seem to be there. How many people's religion has been um, jump-started, has been elevated? How, how many of us have, have davened on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, myself included, actually using, when I was a Baal my whole Nusach was redoing Karlbach Nagunim for the, the second day of Rosh Hashanah, which was um, by from Shlema the Python, who was writing it for his son, who was Gishmat. So I always, when I daven and use the Karlbach Nagunim that I use for Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, and other things, I, and on Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, I always had Karlbach and Zin, that I was going to be Malim Bimasakin, uh, that, that by, by, because the same way the Python of the second day Rosh Hashanah wrote it for his son, had been a, a gishmader, as I said. I felt this was appropriate that Karlbach had his chesroinus. And I, if you want to ask me, I believe, I, I believe these women. I think he did have a part of him that was troubled. There was a part of him that he did call people. I, I don't think they're making it up. Why you think that they were they were on pot and they didn't know what no, they were doing? No, no, chesroinus. Did I say making it up? Okay, to say so, that it's a different of a different sort than the Chaim Walder. Okay, and again. Perhaps there has been a little bit of, of, of a, there's been a cover-up. There's been people who perhaps don't want all these stories to get out. No, he, there's, been, uh, Karabach, there's been no cover-up. Everybody knows this for years. They knew while he was alive. They knew it after he was dead. Right, but more, one second. What they Neshama Karabach went out and apologized that their father was this, whatever he was. Right. Neshama. Neshama, for a while, didn't want to sing his songs either because she felt that she had to show an affinity to the victims. Okay. So let's talk about this ourselves. A person who 
again, some will call him Arav Agoyim, the one of the greatest Makarve Tshuva in, in, of the 20th century. We need to, I, I would say between the two of us, although you're, you're I don't know if you're going to go on record here, a flawed individual. Would you agree? Definitely yes. Flawed. Yes. A flawed individual and, and with serious flaws. Okay. I have serious. to say, I have to say there was, and again, my, my, my good friends will go against this, but in hindsight, when I think about it, um, I think he was an egoist. I, I think he was a person who relished in a way and reveled in the attention he was getting. He my loved. <laughs> well, he loved when he would come in. He loved being the center. He loved having people being gravitated towards him. He was in a way, he was sort of like Bill Clinton in a way. He wanted people to love him. He wanted people so. How terrible his manipulation was, I don't know. I think he was a person that was flawed in his psyche. And I think if you would ask me, I mean, who am I to paskin on him? I would say that he was probably over a number of Averis, according to the Rambam, that would have been Lavin, definitely Menatera. Would he be, did, did he have illicit affairs with, with married women? Again, it's been suggested. I no, but it's, that's even the little article that these things are not suggested. Okay, but it's been, I, it was never just that he was of the Aishasish. Never. Oh, but he was Mascar of Aishasish, which is okay. Which is which is Abizrayu, which is Abizrayu. But you know, if you go to a lot of modern Orthodox places, there's a lot of that going on. Also, Moskin, But I'm anyway. saying, I'm saying, does he stop Abizrayu? Right? L'dabra hurei ageder. Now the question is like this: We both agree. So now. What is the reason why his nagunam can still be considered Kodesh Kedoshim? Because he's a Meshuggah. Wait. In other words, because you're saying that he's an Onus, and therefore you, in other words, you can't blame him for his Averis. That's right. Okay. Why don't you say... I can blame him. Because of blame him. But you could understand that this is a man who has a wackiness, a craziness, where the one day he can be Kodesh Kedoshim, the other wallowing Tuma. There is such a thing. Okay. And therefore we... Can zero Somebody, in when you're singing Lule Saras Chashashwai, in my opinion, the best Jewish song of all time, on Hashem Kinyab Decha, right? I believe when he when he wrote these songs, he was I agree. I agree. Yeah, Can anyone right not? Here. And I would put in Baruch Inavshi. If, you hear, blood, if yeah. you hear him sing Baruch Inavshi, there's no way you could fake Baruch Inavshi. And at the same time, there's a person who wrote Ram Yisrael Chai, Ubi Meretz Hashur, and he inspired, you know, people in many different ways. And he was, they say, a multifaceted, multi-talented person in, in his inspiration. He was multifaceted and multi-talented and had multiple personalities. You know, they're not, I don't, they're not, don't mean multiple personality disorder. I mean, he was crazy. Okay. So let's, again, I... I say Mozart, well, I have to say, all the great composers, Mozart, Beethoven, all of them were crazy. Well, they? I want to tell you, there has been some interesting musical criticism done on Karl Bach. And it's criticism not on his a talent, but on his output. There's, I, I, I've, I've spoken to musicologists, and, and I think I saw a documentary about this as well, where Karl Bach decided for popularizing his style... He was going to downgrade the quality of his music, and it would make it less intricate. In they, order... say, well, they say it. Well, they say never to play guitar. You only play chords. But he they he specifically downgraded it in order 
to make it something that people could sing along with in order for people. And some of the times he'd recycled himself as opposed to. A lot of times. Sure. Uh, you know, the, 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 right, the, 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 the same. We all know that, right? right. It's, it's it's all it's basically the same niggin. Yeah. Okay. So 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 Karlbach as a musician specifically wanted to be he wanted to be to have a scalus. Now the question here is, and I would say not because he's crazy, the same way the Kalvin Rebbe was able uh, to go and hear nigunim. And you hear this from other Chassidish uh, Rebbes as well. That they could hear Nagunim from the beer halls. They could hear stuff, right? And so Karab, no, Karabach specifically, and I believe him on this, okay? Uh, specifically, he said that the Mila of his music is that he was never influenced by Goddard music. So it all came from, from Zich, but he was Mushba from Majitz very early on. Majitz Rebbe, he's called Majitz Rebbe's edition in New York. And uh, you know, he even once sang a bunch of Sunigan, even though he said not really allowed to sing one of the Nigan on my own, but he sang a bunch of Sunigan. So uh, I think that that's that is not the case. He did not have this. The Gunan wasn't like the, the Rebbe who took the Marcier and made Rachmanis Akimos Mashiach. Wasn't like Solo Kokushmar or whatever the name of that that song is. But I I think that he was which I'm not denigrating for a moment. I'm saying Kabach was not like that. So but if you believe that you can take Nigunim from the beer hall, and you can be them, then Lechora, you can be, you can, you can deck Tzachzi Karlbach as well. Not, that's my terrors. That if you, the Sha, if the Sha Nigun is Kodesh, then you, Madach, you can take these Nigunim from everywhere, and you can venerate them, elevate them. That would be my approach. Not to say Karlbach was nuts, right? Now, let me ask you on this. Um, there are certain Nigunim that we know were written. Let's talk about Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah for a while. You know that song, right? No, I don't actually. You don't? I know Leonard Cohen's uh, works have made it into shuls, but I don't know what, what they are and how they made them into shuls. What they've been used for. There- a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord but you don't really care for music do you well it goes like this the fourth, the fifth the minor fall and the major lift the baffled king composing hallelujah 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 Faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. Okay, so that is uh, the famous super covered song, uh, Hallelujah, by Leonard Cohen. And you could see it's inspired by Dovid Amelech. And it is sung everywhere. Uh, you've never, obviously, in your show up in the, the Muncie, the show that wants you as the Rov, they haven't tried this for Kabbalah Shabbos. 
Okay, okay. But again, it doesn't really mean much that you haven't heard about it, but it's definitely, Leonard Cohen was a Canadian uh, Jewish songwriter. I know he was. I read read, read about him when he died. I didn't know anything about him. So this song is his most uh, covered song. The song is there a gvul where something I... Well, yes, there is a gvul. Do you want to know what the gvul is? What? Mordechai David's use of Genghis Khan for Yiddin. That trepassed the gvul. So, in other words, the song Yiddin is based on uh, a non-Jewish song. A non-Jewish song could go about Genghis Khan. Uh, and Genghis Khan, of course, was... So you, you believe that the people who wrote it, who had these Kavonis roles, were thinking about murderers and Reutzchim? No, it's, it's the tune is. It's not because they had Kavonis roles. It's not, there's no no he's owls in the song. It's, it's, oh, okay, so you're talking about... You're saying, now, Hallelujah, which you can hear, is a very spiritual-sounding song, right? And, 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 and even those were the days has something to it. So you're saying there's got to be like, a, a Yiddish uh, sense of this. I was like, how about... Admir Marilus is Chasna. We should say Harav, Mayor Marilus is Chasna. Where I was standing with Harav Kerosh and Shaffel. And Harav Aaron Schechter was uh, da- dancing in the middle of the middle of the uh, circle, because obviously, as you know, uh, the mayor married uh, Belsky. Married him, yes, uh, Chaim Berliner. Yes, Chaim Berliner. And he was dancing with a hadlas ponim and a tremendous glow of simcha. And in the band in the back, I'm sure he was not paying any attention. They were playing Yidin. And I said to Gershon, you see the jarring dissonance between the sound in the air and the bizarre the countenance of Baron Schechter? And he said, yes, it's quite obvious. So that uh, there, there was no... True Yiddish simcha in Yiddin. Look, when, when the Chaim Bachrim used to, I don't think they still do it anymore. Some of them they do. They do the alley cat of Chasnus. You know right, that? Sure, I know what the alley cat is. Sure. No, you know, have you ever seen Chavetz Chaim guys do that? It was like a Chavetz Chaim shtick. They do the alley cat of Chasnus. So we, so we might say L'schoik, it's okay, but we know that at the at, at the Yiddish Chasnus they play continuously Goyish music. You have one thing that was a big hit when I remember my friends were getting married was um, um, I come from the land down under. Yeah, right? terrible. Right. But that was not as terrible as Yiddin. Genghis Khan. You don't know Genghis Khan was a nineteen seventy six German entry in the Eurovision. When I was wearing an Eretz Yisrael, they they played. So 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 what's the shot? Is it? And the truth is that's how Jews feel. Okay, the truth is what passes for Jewish music now sounds to me like pop music from 10, 15 right. years ago. And that's okay, MB, MB, right? And that is MB. MB. Okay, so and, what and are, that's where Karl Bach was, was light years, I don't know what definition to use, what age to use, but he was light years uh, vastly different than. Uh, okay, so MB. do you believe we should sit on a perch here and say, well, come on, that's just a ripoff of some pop tune from 10 years ago? Yeah, that's it, fun to do. Should, I think we should, I, it's we should throw that out. We should throw that out. I love sitting on that perch. It's a, such a fun perch to sit on. Yes, let's sit on it. Okay. So 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 even though the Kalavar Rebbes and other tzaddik were able to be Malik. They knew which they couldn't to be Mavara. Uh-huh. To mention MBD and the Kalavar Rebbe in the same breath in the same breath. You know, the Majid Sarebbe, when he read what is the uh, Soyu, 
which is the most brilliant adaptation of non-Jewish music. They took Nigunim from all, he spanned the globe and took Nigunim from every culture and put them he in- He calls it an opera. He called it an opera. Well, right? opera? That's what he called so it. That, he called it his opera. Okay. That is Eila Eila, Kodesh Kodoshi. Even though the, the authors of many of these classical right. greats lived de- decadent lives right. and, and right. probably worse than anything Karl Bach. Right, because they write, because there's certainly spirituality in uh, even in places where it might be uh, tumah. Because, and I, I go back to my explanation, which is that of insanity. Insanity has many aspects to it. Well, if you've seen the film Amadeus or seen the play or read yeah. it, you know... It was that, a big I have not seen the film, but I know it's a big movie. But you know that Salieri, again, it's, 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 it's clearly fictionalized, and, and, and it's not exactly the story, but when Salieri is so upset because Mozart is his superior, but in, not in any moral and any real social way, but when he sees the, when Salieri notes, uh, sees the actual music that Mozart is writing, he says he felt the voice of God. And even though it was in the Kaylee of someone who was a childish person who, who didn't care about people's feelings and was a grub. So again, the, the film really underscores to me uh, this idea of, of, of spe- being able to produce the Varmshul Kedusha, that there's aspects of people that are, some, that are sometimes great and magnificent. And the Tzadikim know how to be Mavarit. And it, it, maybe you don't even have to be a Tzadik to be able... Uh, to be no, I think if you're Kivalevich, it's good enough. <laughs> well, I have been, as you know, again, you know, you've been the writer for me when it came to, you know, okay. The, so, okay, so what would you say? Let me let me throw something else at you. Um, you know, you know, there's there's a recent essay in uh, the New Yorker by the ultimate book reviewer that they have. His name is James Wood. Have you ever heard of James Wood? Okay, no. you should. Okay. James Wood is a very a person who understands religion, and he wrote an essay which, which, was, which is really the reason why I wanted to talk about this, because I, I was reading it over Shabbos, and he talks about his infatuation and later analysis and understanding of Led Zeppelin. Now, Led Zeppelin, of course, you know, you definitely know one song from Led Zeppelin, right? No? You don't know Stairway to Heaven? I heard it. I heard the title. I never heard it. Okay. All right. So, and again, this is a song that uh, the, the lyrics have been analyzed. They don't really make sense. But it's in, to many people, this was the ultimate song of the latter part of the 20th century, consistently. So there was a friend of mine who was in Kailu, who I was his, I was his uh, Havrusa, and he would sit there and learn to stay away to heaven, right? Right? And he would say, And I would see him, he would, he would stroke his beard. The man has not left, uh, I don't want to say his name, but the man, oh, the, 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 the man has been in Kailo for, believe uh, Guzma, 50 years. Okay? I was his Chavrusa in 1977 around. Uh, 77, and he has been in Kailo since 1970, I think, he, he started in Kailo. He has not left 
He cannot sits and learns Gansen. And if you go now, you will be able to find him stroking his beard, probably still singing. Which is really the tune of uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page's uh, Stairway to Heaven. So as you know, I myself was known in yeshiva as somebody who learned and whether it was considered insane, also based on the music that had was like rolling around in my head for many years. And uh, to me, I believe that you can't necessarily say, well, that's a Yiddish, that's not Yiddish. I, I really believe there is, uh, there is a way to transform anything. Music has a power that is, is much greater than speech. And we know what it's able to do. So would, would you look askance at a kid who comes in from with popular music in his head and still has it in his kishkas, or does he need to go to, an, to some sort of indoctrination to get it out of his system? You know, I, I don't know if that's going to indoctrination, but I remember that there was a certain now Choshva Rob who uh, in the, was used to, used to be at the Metallica, and he had never heard Karlbach. And then we uh, played Karlbach for him, and then uh, he left Metallica behind. Now, I don't know what, what in Metallica is so attracted to Yeshiva Bachrim. I know uh, that it is attracted to Yeshiva Bachrim. I never listened to it. I think I want to listen to it to find out if I could figure out what was attractive. I could not figure it out. I guess because uh, Yeshiva Bachrim like wallowing in depression or something like that. But uh, yeah, there is some. I think that it's good to wean people off those uh, forms of music in, and uh, find some replacement for it. Spirituality, which is uh, okay. I, okay. Well, look. I, I will say that 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 we there's a soundtrack of our lives. There's certain tunes that I know, television jingles that I heard when I and you were talking about like that's because you have this memory that's crazy. There's certain television jingles that I heard when I was three and four years old that are still playing in my head. Music has a power, and I think to listen. Me, we all have Gilgan's Island playing in the back of our head, right? <laughs> you do. And, and even that—that's a shtickle Yiddish tune, also. That I can see being a and I think that the mash theme also has a very um you know has had has potential. The mash theme, I see. You basically you, these are just the shows you saw, right? Right. Right. I, I don't know. I don't think Get Smart has that kind of potential. There, there are some, there are differences. <laughs> I so, see. Uh, I see. I think people can hear it in our opening in our show. I think people can hear in, in you know the opening that I put onto these shows. There's a little bit of Get Smart there, right? Dum dum. Right, right. If you hear when I say right, this is the Yeshiva yeah. of Newark, right? It's a little bit <laughs> like the Buck Henry. Uh, Mel Brooks classic, Get Smart. But the point, though, is I think, I, I disagree with you. I, I think that, you know, too much is made from the the yeshiva light who say, oh, that's, you were Shaku and Tuma. The truth is, is that I think music puts its hooks in you, and it's very hard uh, to get them out. And I think that th- there's a reason, because it touches us on, on such an incredibly deep scale. There's so many people, for example, that don't know the words to to songs and we know the lyrics are terrible 
right? Uh, the, 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 the song, for example, the song, for example, when my wife and I were going out, so we once went to a, uh, well, we, we just had our 40th anniversary of our first meeting. So I think within the first couple of weeks, we once went to a, uh, a place in Sheepshead Bay and somebody put on the jukebox, uh, the Bobby Darren hit, uh, Mac the Knife. And for some reason, we always think about that as our song. Now, the song is really about, it's based on Bertolt Brecht's Three Penny yeah, yeah. Opera. It's a wacky, right? wacky song. Right? Yeah, it's right. really about, it's about a murderer. It's about, yeah, he, right. he's a murderer, right? His, his blood is oozing life. But I didn't necessarily know that when it became our song. It's just like, dun da dum dum ya da da dum It's just a simchadika song. Da-da-dum-dum, ya-da-da-dum. Right? But if you hear the words, right? So I think there really is a, a, a disconnect between lyrics and music consistently. Now, Avada, the Mavinim will tell you that you have to know how to match them. I think many of us zero in on the music, and it's the lyrics that the, that the Rosh Hashivas hate, right? Yeah, but I think they're wrong. I, 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 think it's, I think it's the music, which is the problem, and not all music is, again, not all secular music is problematic, but it's much more the music, which generates the emotion and the lyrics, which are just, you know... Even yeah, if the... Even if the lyrics, the even if, even if the lyrics are prost, no, the prost obviously should, but that's not the Iker problem. Right, but again, I think one can be masalic those lyrics if it's possible, and I think in that way, I think a person is able to uh, to be nucky at least up to a certain point. Well, my no, friends, that well, I don't know. We, we okay, I think we should finish with the song. I think we should finish that. The song, you know. We should end with. The Gil against Archer Shadows Yaakov? Okay. All right. How about this one? You want you like the Flintstones? We'll, we'll end with the Flintstones. It's Rizcha, Diorisa. We are here every mighty Shabbos. We here with Bechomer. We're going to make some history. See you next week in Adar. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay, you, you want to do the Batman? Go ahead, Batman. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.